Everybody, the great rebirth has begun, spring done sprung. That's a line from a, a album, Spring Done Sprung, by a songwriter I'm just discovering, Ryan Dowdy. Uh, he's cool. Yeah, it's spring around here. And I feel like the rebirth is happening, too, you know. I'm getting some calls. I'm going to be playing some music. I'm going to be standing out in the 114-degree heat in a black Guayabara shirt, sweating until it fuses with my Telecaster for life. But you know what? I didn't think I would miss that until I didn't get to do it last year. I like that Jason Isbell song that I mentioned in the trailer. We get about a week of spring and the summer's blistering, so we're soaking it up right now. My kid and I last weekend went for a, an epic dinghy voyage for a few miles on the creek by our house. Every year around this time we try to go because there's this amazing wild rose. You know, it's just so green around here now for a minute, and then it turns brown, but... Um, but there's just a sea of green and then this pink wild rose flows down the bank and you know it only blooms one time it's not it's not getting fed <laughs> and you just got to you got to know there to go there you know man you got to you got to be there at the right time and you got to know when that time's going to be and you know i love that that flash of brilliant color that you have to know uh, you know where, when, and how to find it, and probably not that many people around here see that thing every year, um, and those that do know how to look for it, that's for sure. I think about that in terms of the music I love. I remember going to my last big, like, you know, stadium concert, and I'm just like, this is nothing to me, man. This is just a hassle to get out of the parking lot. The sound is terrible. I can't see the performer. I, it just, It just wasn't anything to me. And, uh, you know, I thought, like, it, it, it's, 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 uh, it's more interesting to me to see one of my friends play a song in the living room. And then, you know, I sort of uh, discovered the world of folk music. It's something I'd already been into. I'd listened to the folk radio show, and I, and I grew up on John Prine and Jerry Jeff Walker and stuff like that. But I saw Greg Brown for the first time around then, and he just... Greg Brown's a really important person, I think, in, in folk music because he started Red House Records. He started a, a business model, I guess, that would let folk singers not try to be Gordon Lightfoot. You know, they could just do a, a smaller, more local thing and make a living at it. Um, but anyway, I, I was mesmerized by him. I loved his songs. I loved how literary they were. I loved the presentation. I loved, you know, I could see every scratch in his guitar. You could just get closer to it. You could, you could have a relationship with it, with the world that he was in. And also, I think the world that he was in was a world that I was already in, a world of poetry, a world of songs, a world of uh, you know, thinking about your place in the universe in a, in a practical, local, and small way. You know, it was a place where you could celebrate an ordinary life, I guess, and was really appealing to me. <laughs> and, you know, it was literary, too. It was just removed from, you know, the kind of academic poetry that I was studying in school so much. You know, I think that that literary and ordinary at the same time is what 
I love so much about John Prine. And if you haven't listened to my John Prine podcast, I, I wish you would. I hope I do justice to him because he was a, a remarkable an extraordinary poet of the ordinary, I think I called him. I hope I did anyway. And that kind of reminds me of this Ryan Dowdy that I'm listening to also. I don't know whether he's going to become the John Prine of his generation or not, but like John Prine, he, he sees the beauty in the small details of ordinary life. Uh, and he's got a line in that song I mentioned, you know, all along we finally see the beauty um, all around you and me. And it's like, you know, Spring can enlighten you to the things that are beautiful. He, he's he got all these great, you know, he's got these great images of like crows, talks about his daughter. And I'm like, man, is this guy, you know, flocks out in the field, geese. <laughs> he seems to be I'm like, is this guy reading my mail? Because we have a lot of the same concerns. He's got this great rolling guitar style. He sounds a little bit like Chris Smither, maybe, but not, maybe not quite. Uh, maybe a little bit Mississippi John Hurt-like, if you know those guys. But like Greg Brown, you know, he knows how the fine details illuminate the soul of a place. And, you know, at the heart of it, he's a poet with a guitar. And he can, uh, you know, evoke place in a single word in a way that I think is is really powerful. It's what the best poets do. In one of his songs, Day Drunk, he, he's, uh, he mentions a squinty. And I'm like, what the heck is a squinty, man? I gotta look that one up. It's a good word, you know. And it turns out that it's a an intensely local name for a ground squirrel. It's like a, it's it's only called that in Des Moines, apparently. And I'm I love that. I love that kind of detail. Like it just draws you into that place. You know, it puts your feet in that space, and you've got to go there on on his terms. But the journey really isn't that far, you know. I'm trying to travel a short distance <laughs> in art, not a long distance. Not always. I mean, you know, I'm interested in the man, God, and the cosmos questions in literature sometimes. But I'm, but I'm, in song, I think at least I'm, I'm interested in being taken to somebody's backyard and getting a sense uh, of what it is to live in their place. You know, even someone like Towns Van Zant, who I admire so much at at, at a certain level. Some of his songs are so dark um, and so grim that uh, I really like them and I'm interested in them, but I can't live with them for too long. I mean, you know, I want you to lend your lungs to me. Mine are collapsing. That's a little bit heavy for me. You know, not that I don't want this stuff to be serious. It can be. There's another uh, young songwriter. I mean, you know, she's young to me. I don't know how old most of you are. I mean, she was born around the time I graduated from high school, so she's in her 30s. But um, but she's, you know, obviously not of my parents' generation like John Prine or Tom Waits or some of the other people I, I admire. Amy Lou Harris, whose picture graced the cover of the last podcast. She was uh, fortunate enough to have her picture taken with me, it seems. But... Uh, my my students turned me on to Samantha Crane. I, uh, you know, am interested in Oklahoma, where my family's from, and interested in, in Native arts. And, and uh, I was teaching my students about the Kiowa Six. Uh, you know, Stephen Mopope, Lois Smokey, they have this uh, 
they're Native American artists, uh, painters from early in the 20th century. They had this kind of flat, two-dimensional, super-modern style, and really fascinating. And I was teaching them that connected with some uh, Joy Harjo poems, the first Native poet laureate also from Oklahoma. Um, and anyway, my, my students asked me if I knew Samantha Crane. I'm like, no, let me... Let me hear what she's all about. And they played this song, Elk City, small town in Oklahoma. And it really resonated with me. You know, I think back on my life, and I'm like, wow, man, I'm so grateful that none of the small bargains of my life that I made to get by on the day-to-day prevented me from doing what I wanted to do in my life. You know, I had a lot of, a lot of luck, a lot of help, and a lot of privilege in that. But you know, there's a, there's a line, and she's she's stuck in Elk City. She says, you know, get me out of this town, get me out of this dream. I've been drinking away all my money. She says, I almost moved to Dallas with my best friend Kathleen, but I met a guy at the Longhorn said he'd fix my washing machine. And man, it's just it's heartbreaking. You know, it's like she gets she gets pregnant and she's got a life as a single mother because. She's trying to get her washing machine fixed. Um, and I also love how working class all of this stuff is. You know, I still think of myself as a working class dude. I know what it is to climb a ladder to, to make a living, you know. And and, uh, and uh, the, the boyfriend that she comes to the place. She's, I was 17 when I came to this place in a boyfriend's Colt wagon on the 40 interstate. He told me we'd be rich, get on the, at the GHK company. You know, he's just looking for a working class gig, and that's rich to them. And, uh, and it, you know, it probably is. I mean, that, <laughs> working for an oil and gas company in Oklahoma, you probably make, you know, professor pay. But uh, but anyway, you know, like that's the dream, and even that's out of reach. That image, too, of a Colt wagon is amazing to me. You know, it's like a, the, the Dodge Colt. I don't know if you remember these little cars. There probably aren't any around. They're not exactly, you know, burning up the classic car market. But uh, they were a Mitsubishi rebrand, and they were, you know, just a little Japanese car that's got this Colt on it, you know, and it's supposed to be this image of the of the Wild West. It's such a, a loaded and complicated image for a Native person, right? You know, they're being... She's being sold back some cheap version of her own heritage in some in some way. And it's a really potent image. I love it. I don't know if it's the way I talk or the way my dad talked or my grandparents talked or the stories I grew up on, but I'm really attracted to the music of of, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, Great Plains, the Midwest, you know, Heartland kind of stuff. And of the South, I guess, too. You know, I got roots in all of that. And uh you know, another another songwriter that I'm really interested in, and I've mentioned on the podcast before, is Adam Carroll, Texas singer-songwriter from Tyler, Texas. You know, I think of him as young, too, because he's, you know, seven or eight years younger than I am. But, you know, he's he's not of that older generation, obviously. And, and he, too, you know, has that uh, intense interest in place and and, and you know the great observation of the small details that make things interesting in life. He's got a great song called Rice Birds, which, you know, there's a lot of rice growing in Texas, um, particularly like, you know, down towards the Gulf. It's kind of like, 
some of the country around here, you know, south of where I live, down down through the valley. Uh, but anyway, that song Rice Birds, I love it. He's got. I was thinking of you at the Mardi Gras, Fords and Chevys like you never saw. That's interesting too. Like whenever I've traveled around, you know, you go down south and it's like you don't see all these foreign cars like you do out here in California. Not everyone's driving a a Prius or whatever. Though for the record, I do have two Chevy pickups in my driveway right now. Um, and I love that line. He's got another great line in that song. You're the white shirt peeking through my camouflage. I just love that image. You know, you can just see that. You know, you can see the see a guy in his in his uh you know whatever rural redneck costume i guess with his camouflage shirt and he's got his white t-shirt poking through there you know that's the that's the costume that you're supposed to blend in you're supposed to look like the other men you're not supposed to be vulnerable and yet the the white shirt that you see peeking through there is that vulnerability it's uh it's where she in the in the poem sees him as uh you know undisguised and naked in Whitman's term, which means, you know, emotionally, not physically. I mean, maybe physically too, but... And, uh, yeah, it's just a great image, man. And it just comes... It just comes... It's it's such a familiar image that takes on such a beautiful resonance when you push on it a little bit. I really like how in all these examples, they're, they're uh, you know, pretty... I don't know, low-key literary. They're pretty, you know, I don't say unintentionally literary because that's certainly not true, but they're not pretentious in any way, and I love that. You know, there's another uh, group that I've mentioned on the podcast before, and they're they're older than I am. They've been around for a long time, but they're really uh, important to me, and I really love their writing, and that's the group out of Louisville, Kentucky, called uh, Freakwater. I don't know if they're still in Louisville. I haven't ever seen them perform either, but um, they're Janet Bean and Catherine Irwin, and they've been they've been doing it for a long time. They've been doing this since the 80s, and they've got some really great stuff. They've got a really amazing kind of harmony style. It's very old-timey, and yet their subject matter is not, and they come really kind of maybe more out of a punk folk scene than a... Than a um, you know, country scene, but there's definitely country influences. Um, and and uh, one of the things, like, you should just listen to them on any song. They they have this really sort of unique harmony, and they cross parts a lot, and they really interact with each other, um, almost like, they almost sing like siblings, like some of the sibling uh, duos from the 40s and 50s. I teach them a lot, actually, because they... Um, seem really, really deeply steeped in this tradition of, of writing by Southern women that I'm interested in and teach a lot. Writers like Eudora Welty and Flannery O'Connor and uh, maybe particularly Carson McCullers. I mentioned Carson McCullers on my last podcast in The Ballad of the Sad Cafe, but she, in addition to being a great writer, was known uh, as being a great drunk. There's a, a interesting article in a, in a publication called Modern Drunkard called The Carson McCullers Diet. talks about her and her relationship with Tennessee Williams, the great the great playwright. And, and uh, it mentions that she's just drunk all day, which uh, you know could have contributed to her early death. I don't know. But anyway, uh, they have a, a song that particularly reminds me of Carson McCullers. It says, You are my hero, 
you are my heroine and uh, it's about trying to find inspiration um, in another artist as I followed you way downtown to steal your fountain pen but there were myths and there were facts that I mistook and everyone who gets drunk will not write a good book and it it uh, talks about being sort of tricked into dipping your pen in the well of alcohol as a source of inspiration and having that lead you astray so I think that's really really interesting it also has a great image at the end of that song in that song about a, a dust storm that hits the Oklahoma skies and I guess that also really resonates with me in ways that I'm maybe not even self-conscious of all the time you know in some ways I feel a lot less close to this kind of music than I used to I used to see so much of it and I feel like I participated in it more actively and I performed more in that kind of tradition in that kind of space and uh, you know, but on the other hand, the internet and streaming and Spotify, you know, puts so much of this stuff at your at your fingertips. You know, I just discovered so much new music by, you know, clicking on the related artists or people also searched for. And uh, and I'm really sort of, uh, you know, there, there's there's all this new stuff out there. There's 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 the best is yet to come, you know. Another songwriter that I'm really interested in right now, by the way, is my wife. I mean, we were, we were when my kid and I were coming home from our little, little voyage, um, my wife was getting ready to have band practice, and, and my daughter's like, are you, are they going to do um, the Sussurus material? You can check them out on, on like, I think they're on SoundCloud, but, um, and I'm like, I don't know. She's like, oh, I love that band so much. I missed that band. And, you know, she's got a, she's found out how to write about being a grown-up in a way that I really admire. She she writes about being a middle-aged lady with a job, you know, and her band is middle-aged ladies. They were all played in bands forever, and now they've got this thing that fits the point in life. And, you know, she won the local songwriter of the year thing, and I've, you know, heard people, you know, ladies like her humming her lyrics and stuff downtown. She, I think it's just so important for people to recognize that you don't have to give up your creativity. You don't have to quit that part of your life just because it didn't become your career or because you didn't become famous somehow. And I also think about how important it is for uh, my daughter to grow up in a world where she sees that everyone around her is a performer. You know, it's just the normal thing to do. <laughs> this image in my mind of me playing at this kind of kind of fancy like restaurant bar that we used to play downtown it's gone now but uh my friend who worked behind the bar is holding my kid while i'm playing i mean she's you know two she saw me perform when she was in a stroller and uh and you know i think the accessibility of that will will shape her life more than more than she knows you know i i always noticed that these little girls are fascinated by my wife when we're performing we used to perform at these kind of fancy restaurants over like in the Marin and over in that, you know, Santa Rosa area. And these little girls would just come and just stare at her when she was singing. And I think that, you know, to them, you know, maybe to see Taylor Swift or Christina Aguilera or something wasn't that really compelling to them. But, you know, to see someone who looked like their mama doing that gave them a different way of seeing their world, I think. 
So I don't know. That's what it is to me. This this kind of music is is close to home. The the performer, the guitar, the audience is still just a really compelling art form that's not diminished by by um, you know the advent of all this new technology. It still is something that resonates really powerfully in the you know in us as people. It's ancient. It's deep and it's still meaningful. Anyway, I hope that, that if you're engaged in this, you're exploring this. If you think that that's all over, I hope to convince you that it's not. If you're looking for some new people to check out and admire, maybe I've given you a list of a few people on this podcast. It's always something I'm trying to do is sort of spread my enthusiasm for art. It's what gets us through. Um, so I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And it was a little bit of a departure, um, I guess. I mean... I'll talk about anything on the on the podcast, so nothing's a departure. Anyway, friends, thanks for listening. Take care of each other. Be well. And, uh, you know, like, follow, subscribe, tell your friends. And I'll see you on the internet next week. We get about a week